0: board, and I think Mr. Mark is still gone. He's on a business. Mr. Mark is such a blessing, I tell you. Why don't you come on up here, and Matt Paxson, would you come forward, please? Doesn't Matt look nice? Just stand right here in between these gentlemen and me. Amen. We have an exciting announcement that I want to make. Yes, we all know that Matt's engaged to Jenny. Amen. But that's not what I was going to announce. (laughs) That's not what I was going to announce. We have hired Matt as our new youth pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. hallelujah amen you might say wow he's young he is he is young but you know what he has such a heart of integrity and such a heart of humility i told him the other day in my office i said matt you have many many things going for you but the two greatest qualities that you have is that you have a heart of humility and he has a heart of integrity and he said, "Pastor, I know the theological end of things, but I don't know the how-tos." And I said, "Don't worry about it. That's where you have people around you that can help you. And some things you just have to wade through." But he has a great team, and I want that team that has has been uh, in the gap, so to speak, during these past couple of months. I want you to stand, Hunmi and Shelby and Helena, James, Renee, and Alejandra. Who else? Miss Vicky and Joyce. They have done a tremendous job and they have a heart for the youth and and they will probably more than likely continue to work with Matt and and to help him to get his feet on the ground. And so the youth group is going forward, amen, Amen. and it's going to grow. Matt has had tremendous training. He was trained as a youth, you may sit down, at Garden Valley Church under youth pastor Steve Enns who imparted things into his heart that he might not have gotten had it not been for that mentor. And he shadowed him. He shadowed that youth pastor. And he, he saw the youth pastor come into the high schools. And he said that people would ask him, Who is that? Is that your dad? And Matt said, No, that's my youth pastor. They said, Wow, really? He's cool. I want to come to your, to, to your youth group. And so Matt has had lots poured into him. And so he is starting out. He is excited. He will be full-time. He is starting tomorrow. He has an office here at the church and we are just blessed and thankful to have him. Amen. 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 So we're going to pray for him. Do you want to say something?
1: Sure.
0: Okay. get him up.
1: Hello. Okay. Well, I really don't know exactly what to say. Uh, maybe I should have wrote something down, and uh, not too much time either. But uh, let me start from the beginning. Not not my birth. Yeah, it was a beautiful June 23rd night, 1985. No, um, is it what? Is it muted? Yeah, it's on. It's on. Well, you guys, you guys can hear me, right? Okay. Well. Not all of you may know me too well. Um, If you don't know my name, it is Matt, and uh, I usually like to say that every time I'm up here, but uh, if you're wondering why, I'm not, uh, whenever I was thinking about things to say when I came up here, the thing that kept coming to my my mind was giving excuses for my faults that you'll probably eventually find out on your own, but I'm not going to do that because that's not right. That's something they had to do. They had to figure those things out. But the thing I do want to say, though, is how I left Garden Valley. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't leave there in a bad way. I didn't leave there because of any problems I was having with the church. It's just God was leading me somewhere else. Uh, that was a big part of it, and some of you may argue with me. It was because of a certain girl. <laughs> uh all my friends from my home, like where, where I grew up, that church, they say it was because of Jenny, but um, I know she was a part of it, but there were a lot of other reasons too. Any of you know what it's like to be a poster child? Do you know what I mean by that? Well, growing up there, I think I could have had a lot of things go my way. and um, <laughs> We can talk about that later, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want you to know I didn't get mad and leave, and I won't do that here. So thank you for this opportunity.
0: Amen. Let's stretch our hands toward Matt, and let's pray for him. Stretch our hands toward Matt, and let's pray for him. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we're so thankful, Lord God, for Matt. We thank you that you have placed him in this place for such a time as this. We pray, Lord God, that that you would give him wisdom just as your word says, that you would guide him and lead him and direct him concerning this area of ministry that you have placed him over. And Father God, I pray that he would be surrounded by good people with creative ideas that could help him, that could, could, could show him, Father God, in ways that he doesn't know yet. I thank you, Lord God, that he is a man of prayer, that he knows your word, that he is a man of integrity, that he is a man of humility. I thank you for the gifts and the talents that you have placed on the inside of him. And Father, I pray that those would be released in a great and powerful way. I pray that Matt would never hold back, but he would always be yielded unto you, Lord God. So, Father, we just give you praise and we give you glory for him. Again, thank you for the wisdom that you're going to give him and in the in the position of youth minister, Father. And we are blessed to have him on board, keep him in all of his ways. Father God, I pray that he would always walk the straight and narrow path. I thank you for the training that he has had with his youth pastor, Steve Enns. I thank you for the integrity that, that, that Brother Steve had and, 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 and helped to impart that into Matt, Lord God. And that Matt is a quick learner, Father God. And that he will pick things up. That you give him witty ideas and inventions. So Father, we just give you praise and we give you glory for him. And I pray that he would continue to flourish where he has been planted. I pray for the youth, that the youth of this city will come to a saving knowledge of you and that they will know purpose in their life because Matt will show them and teach them and train them in the ways of God. And we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's the year of turnaround. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Take your Bibles. Don't get nervous. I'll let you out on time. This is my Bible. This is, Bible. This is, the, word this is the word of God. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have and I can do what it says I can do. Today I'm going to be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'm going to be changed and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. I'll never be the same, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Well, today's title, I had two actually out with the old and with the new, or the, the one that I gave Miss Vicky to put on the CDs, is what is my part in the race? You know, it is a new year, praise God. How many of you can say, praise God, it's a new year, amen. And we have all made resolutions, how many of you have made a new year's resolutions, a resolution. How many of you have broken it already? Okay, Mr. Cole has. Oh dear, I need to call you into my office. You know, it's a new year, so it's a year of new challenges. It's a year of new opportunities, and we, we all make resolutions. Well, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go off sugar. I heard somebody the other day say, "Well, I'm going. My New Year's resolution was I wasn't going to have sugar." And I said, well, "How long did that last?" It's "About five minutes." So we need to ask ourselves, what is a resolution? What is it? It's a decision as to a future action. That's what a resolution is. It's a decision as to a future action. It's a thing that is determined upon. Now to be resolute means that you're determined, that you are fixed, that you are firm in purpose. So really, some of our New Year's resolutions haven't been a resolution at all, have they? Because we haven't been fixed. We haven't been determined. Because if we were determined, if we were fixed, if we were resolute, we wouldn't have eaten that sugar. We would have gotten up and prayed. We would have been in church today. We would have done what we resolved in our heart to do. We wouldn't be gossiping. We wouldn't be doing this or doing that that we made a resolution that we were not going to do. So really, these New Year's resolutions haven't always been firm and fixed in purpose. Why? Because we're human beings and we fail. We get back into the same old routine. We get back into doing what we've always done and therefore we will have what we have always had. You may say, well, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. You know what? I agree. We all get in our little comfort zones, and we don't want to step out beyond that, and part of that could be pride. Part of it could be fear. Fear will often keep us from going into the unknown. You know, I just talked with our daughter and... and uh, And she told me, she said, there's some things that are are going on there. And she said, I think that that my husband is just maybe afraid to step out beyond what he knows because he's comfortable there and he knows what that works. It it has to do with his job. So I just wanted to clarify that. But you know, we can be taught. It may be hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but it can be done. But it's going to take discipline. It's going to take resolve, and discipline is a huge thing here. It's going to take resolve or determination. It's going to take a want to. It's going to take a hard attitude of, yes, I can do this. And it's going to take purpose. You know, just like these young people that are leaving some of these big churches because they're wanting purpose in their life. They're just wandering around like a goose looking for thunder, and they don't know where they're headed in life. And we can be that way if we don't have purpose. That's why this church is so vital. We have purpose. We know where we are headed. We were founded on evangelism. And immediately when we started the church, which was, by the way, 25 years ago this month, we have been in this almost 25 years. We're in the 25th year of Word of Life Church. Pastor Jeff and Dallas were with us when we started 25 years ago. He hasn't changed a bit, has he? (laughs) Dallas hasn't. (laughs) But there was purpose, and there was resolve, there was determination that this would always be an evangelistic church. We were founded on missions. We were founded on souls. And you know, immediately we lost people just like that. Because there were some goofballs that didn't think that anybody was going to go to hell, that everybody was going to make heaven. So obviously they hadn't read their Bible, so that was kind of silly for us to be soul winners when everybody was already going to make heaven. We didn't have to preach that. So the first time that we met, then the next Sunday we were half that. Because people didn't like our foundation that we were founded on. They didn't like our purpose. Turn in your Bibles... To Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the enemy always wants us to concentrate on how far we have fallen. Well, we, have, we started this church 25 years ago, January 1st. Where are all the people? That's what he wants us to concentrate on. He wants us to, to focus on our past instead of the future and on how far we still have to go instead of how far we have come. You know, when our children were little, we never were... Um, privileged enough to live around their grandparents. And so we would get in the car and, you know, we would be on our way to Garland to, to visit mom and dad, uh, granny and pa, pastor's parents. And we'd get to Dodge City and the kids were fussing, how much farther do we have to go? Are we almost there yet? You know, we'd been gone for a whole hour. And so we listened to this and listened to this and I thought, Lord, what are we going to do? We have nine hours of this. And so I played a little game with them. I took out a quarter and I set it on the dashboard, this was Garden City, and this was Garland. And every time they'd say, how much farther? Then I would move that quarter a little bit. And I'd say, this is Garden City, and this is how far we've come, and we have all this way before we get there. Well, when we would get to beyond Oklahoma City, then we were this far. But you know, when we were just little here, and we were just at Dodge City, All they could see was how much farther we had to go. So they began to complain and murmur. They couldn't see that we have have left home. We have left Garden City. But see, that's what the devil wants us to do too. He wants us to focus on how far we have yet to go instead of how far have we come. I look at how far we have come. 25 years ago, there was not a Word of Life church in Garden City, Kansas. There was not mission support to $8,000 and something dollars a month to keep these missionaries on the field. There were many of you that were not saved. Why? Because you'd never heard the gospel. How many of you were never saved 25 years ago? Let me see your hands. Look around. Wow. Some of you aren't even 25 years old today. But look at you. Because you'd never heard the gospel. And then when you heard, you received. So see how far we have come not how far we have to go. God, though, on the other hand, Satan will try to keep us focused on that. How far do you have to go? Look, you haven't gone very far. Excuse me, we have millions in heaven, I believe, because of you. Because we kept missionaries on the field and because we gave. And you believed God for extra income so that you could give for the faith promise to help support missions all over the world. And I believe I can't wait to get to heaven and somebody come up to me and say, Lenore, thank you for giving to Angela and Larry Keaton who were in Poland. See, I'm Polish. And because of you, because of you sending support and helping to keep them on the field, I am in heaven today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we need to, to, to keep our mind heavenward. We need to think on those things. We need to keep our mind eternity bound and not look at everything here. God wants us to focus on our strengths and not on our weaknesses. He wants us to focus on our victories and not our losses. He wants us to focus on uh, not our problems, but our joys. You know, Philippians 3.13, what we just read, tells us that God wants us to press forward and to respond to His call and forget what lies behind. You know, some things were good, Some were bad this past year. We have to focus on the good. But before, I've had people say, what's happening to our church? Where are the people? I said, I don't know. Well, I want this and I want that. Well, you know, I'm not, uh, or any other minister that comes, Mike Croslow, David Briggs, anybody else, we're not the lucky rabbit foot. We can only do what God tells us to do. We all have a part. I have. I pray, I read, I study, but I can't come up here and make God show up. Why? Because every one of you have a part to play too. Why? Because individuals make up the church. And when God does something individually to each of us, then when we come together corporately, oh, glory to God, hallelujah, we will sense His presence. We will know His presence. And we will be able to walk in to things that we have not been able to walk in. Why? Because we've spent time with Him. You know, the church is made up as individuals. And so as an individual, part number one of our part is applying the Word of God to our lives we have got to apply we have got to have application in our lives you know oftentimes when we get into a mess in our life it's because we didn't obey God It's because we didn't obey God I have people come to my office all the time that haven't stepped foot in church some of them in years and they're wanting a quick fix what do I do I first of all say who's your pastor well, I don't have one. You need one. Where do you go to church? I don't go. Well, you better because things will change for you. You know, the Bible says to get planted in the house and you'll flourish in the court. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is in this hour, but to come together and exhort each other. And even so much more now because we see the day approaching. The Bible tells us to pay our tithe, the tenth part, and He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon us that we can't even contain. He tells us to study to show thyself approved. And when we don't do those things, then things come and they happen to us. And then we want a quick fix to get out of that mess. And it's not going to happen. We form habits in our lives. And, we over, and to overcome a habit that's not bringing life to our, to our life or to our situation then we have to apply the Word of God. We were told in Bible school this this morning that this is the instruction book of how we are to live. This tells us what we're supposed to do and we're going to have to obey it. How many of you know negative people that all they do is murmur and gripe and complain and moan and groan and bellyache? There's a few on the back row that know some people like that. Do you know people like that that are negative and complaining? Well, turn in Philippians to to chapter 4, and look at verse... This is just a a little thing. Look at verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest... Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does it say? Think on these things. Huh? What do we do? Too many times we don't think on the honest, too many times we don't think about the just, we don't think about those things that are pure. We don't think about those things which are lovely. We don't think about those things which are of a good report. We always are talking and thinking about the bad report. and Then we get in a mess, don't we? Those things which you have both learned, verse 9, and received and heard and seen in me, do. Just do it. And the God of peace shall be with you. That number, verse 9 is awesome. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. In other words, do the word of God. Do the word of God. Apply it. We all have choices that we have to make. Obedience is simply application of the word of God in our lives. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher, thank God. They're better, they're greater than our ways. But we have to apply what He says to do in our lives. We have got to be doers of His Word if we're ever going to have anything different. Now, application of the Word to our lives is not always easy. It doesn't just happen. It really isn't always easy. Why? Because we have flesh to deal with. We live in a natural world where everything around us is negative. Everybody's complaining, so well, let's just get in there and gripe and moan too. Amen? Let's just not apply the word, let's just be part of the group. So it doesn't come easy. It takes, number two, resolution. It takes determination. We're going to have to apply the word and we're going to have to be resolute about it. And what is a resolution? It's a decision as to a future action. Philippians 3.13 tells us, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forget those things which are behind and reach forth to those things which are before. Leaving the past behind. You know, what happened yesterday is over. It's history. They have a a saying in, in in Texas, that you can't cry over spilled milk. There's no reason to because you're not going to change it. So quit talking about it. Let's go on. Quit crying over spilled milk. It's over. It's history. It's done. You can't change the past. Some things were good, some were not so good, and and others were. But you can't live in the past. Why? Because it's gone. Yesterday is over. You know, this past week or the week after Christmas, I was in Arkansas with... Brad and and Amanda and Lexi and Lindsay and my mother-in-law. Oh, my. Some people live in the past. She's almost 86 years old. Praise God, she's had a long life. But we go out to eat, and she said, $6.49 for this Mexican food? (gasps) Oh! And besides, I, I can't eat but a half an enchilada. I said, well, Mom, they don't serve half enchiladas. They serve the whole enchilada, and so you either order the whole thing or not order any. So long story short, she said, well, I live in the past. I don't think this meal should be over $2. Well, show me a meal that you can get for $2, and I want to go to dinner with you. (laughs) Amen? You know, things change. We can't live in the past. So what we do is we split this this meal because she wasn't going to pay $6.49. It didn't matter that I was paying for it, but she wasn't going to have it. And so we split it, and that was okay. But she even said, well, honey, I live in the past. And you know what? She's a lonely, unhappy woman. We can't live in the past. The past is over. It's history. It's gone. We have to go on. We have to go on and make our lives count for today. Make our lives count for today. We learn from the past. But if we can't forget the past, then we will never fulfill the plan of God for our life. We have got to move forward. Just like Paul said, leaving the past behind and face the future with number three is expectancy. Expectation. You apply the word, you You determine that you, you become resolute in that, and then you expect. And that's what we're going to have to do as individuals. Verse 13, again, 313. Leaving those, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. One translation said, straining forward to what lies ahead. I mean straining forward, giving it everything you have to what lies ahead. There is a great future for you. There is a great future for me. And we have got to strain. We have got to give it everything we have if we want to fulfill the plan of God in our life. We can't just be lackadaisical and apathetic and complacent about it anymore. When God wakes us up at 3.30 in the morning, we better get up and pray. When he tells us to get up at 5 and write, we better get up at 5 and write. When he tells us we better be to church because we can't miss it, then we better get up and say, oh no, I was out too late last night, I can't do it. You know, we need to discipline ourselves. I won't plan things usually on Saturday night. Why? Because I want to stay focused for today. I was asked to go to a movie last night and I said, I can't. I would have enjoyed it, but not on a Saturday night. Let's do it on a Friday night, but not on a Saturday. And, and that's fine that y'all do that, but for me, I can't do it. Why? Because I know me. I've got to stay focused. I've studied and I've prayed. And I know that what God wants to do, is so I can't lose my focus with that. Amen? I've got to, to strain for what's ahead. You know, we're to be looking toward the goal all the time, straining to get there. Believe for more salvations. Believe for more members. Believe for every one of us to grow spiritually. Giving it all we have to get to that goal. You know, I went to see, with Mark and Chris Schroeder, I went to see um, Facing the Giants. And I don't know what that, what was that, Brother Johnny, what was that called when that guy had the guy on his back? And he was going toward the goal? Death crawl. Death, crawl. Death crawl. And how many of you saw that movie? It was awesome. I came out of there and went, yeah, take that, devil. I was so excited. I called my kids and I said, I don't know how far you have to go to see this, but you need to see it because then it would encourage you. But this football player who was kind of, you know, mumbling and grumbling, "Oh, I can't do this, coach. I can't. I can't. I'm tired. I can't do this. And so he got him down and he put... The way I remember it, somebody on his back, and then he put a blindfold over his head. And so this guy is on all fours, and this big old guy is on his back. And the coach was saying, "Come on, you've got ten more yards. You've got fifteen more steps. You've got this. You've got that." And you know what? He crawled the length of
1: the football field
0: because there was somebody there encouraging him. Well, I'm encouraging you, and Jesus is encouraging you that you have great purpose in this life. And he would say, I can't do it. And he was crawling this big old guy on the back. And he couldn't see where he was going because he had blindfolded him. And then when they got to the goal, he took the, the blindfold off. And all of the teammates were saying, yeah, look what you did. Because he was a key player. You are a key player. So don't stop in the middle of our purpose. You are a key player. Jeremy... You and Sheila, wherever he went to, they're key players. The word that God had for them today, hallelujah. Some of you that haven't thought that you were a key player, that you're just here. I'll go on Sunday and do my duty. No, you are a key player in what God has. Matt is a key player in what God has for the youth. Not that the youth has been bad before, but Matt is here for such a time as this. Hallelujah. You are here for such a time as this. I have a great big vision on the inside of me. I can see our family center. I can see a choir and I continue to plant seeds and Brother Rick about that.
1: (laughs) Because
0: it's his gift. I can see our worship team all across the front here worshiping and praising. I can see this place filled with souls that were once in bondage to sin, but now they're free and they're alive. Hallelujah. The lost. I don't want a bunch of disgruntled people in here. I want people that know God and people that haven't known Him in the past to come in and be set free in Jesus' name. Amen? We have to give it all we have. We have to strain toward that goal. You know, God's hand is upon this body, and it always has been. And He'll lead us to greater things. But we're going to have to reach for them. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to fall out of heaven on us. He will lead us, but we're going to have to strain for those things. We're going to have to reach for them. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. love this verse. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Look at 12. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Straining for him. According to Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan for every one of us. Isn't that what it says? A plan that's going to give us great hope for our future. Isaiah, turn there if you would, to, to chapter 43. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and nineteen. Remember ye not the former things? Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know know it? I will even make a way. Ho ho! Ooh, glory to God! I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Hallelujah! Glory to God! He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Well, there's just no way I can get across this goal line, coach. Yes, you can. You've got 15 more steps. Go, go, go. Oh, he's too heavy. It's too hard. All the just, Oh, no, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He, his Word will encourage you. It will strengthen you. It will give you great joy. It will give you great purpose. He is who He says He is, and He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Glory to God. If you're in a bad relationship and you think that your marriage can't be restored, you're wrong because God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I got all out of breath. (laughs) You know, there's been things that have been spoken to us in prophecy that expresses the heart of God and a desire of God for us. We're going to have to cooperate with that God, with that word that God has spoken you know, many of you know this story. Our daughter Gail, when she was 15, she came home one day. We had a, an evangelist here. His name was Rudy Vrtochnik. How many of you remember Brother Rudy? He died and went home to be with the Lord about, I think he was 37, young, but he was powerful. Gail came home from school. She was a sophomore, and she came in and said, Hey, Mom! What do you think about me going to germany or japan next year i said oh gail i where where'd that come from well they came on the loudspeaker today and said if anybody wanted to go to germany or japan to go see the counselor i said well you know we'll talk about this later i said brother rudy's here we got to get ready get your homework i'm fixing supper and we're going to go to church and that was that so she got ready and as brother rudy was finishing ministering and he hardly ever did this he usually prayed for everybody and then then that was it but He walked up and down, up and down, up and down, right here. And then he said, Gail, come here. And he called Gail out. Some of you remember this. And he began to prophesy over her. And I wrote it down and typed it out. She has it today. He began to say the things and the plans that God has for you. It's going to take determination. A good mind you do have, he told her. But what God wants to do through you goes beyond your good mind and your determination and your discipline. He said, and your mother will look back and she will ponder these things in her heart and say, oh God, how great you are. When he began to say those things, her daddy didn't even know that she had come in and said, Hey, Mom, what do you think about me going to Germany or Japan? I knew she was gone. I didn't know where. I didn't know anything about it. But I knew when he prophesied that to her, just hours after she had been home to ask me about that, I knew she was, she was gone. And so we got home. We talked about it. We talked about the prophecy. And I said, Okay, girl, what is this that you heard on the loudspeaker today? She told me, and I said, we prayed about it, and she really felt like Germany was a place that she was to go. So long story short, she made applications. She wrote hundreds of essays, and and she was picked one of 600 in the state of Kansas. We went to Wichita in March. She interviewed with with other people. She had never had a a German in her life, did not know one German word. And what what it was was it was a, a... Youth for Understanding and our Congress and Germany's Congress exchanged 299 students. And so out of 1,200 students, Gail was one that was chosen throughout the United States. And so in July the 15th, when she was 15 years old, she left on a plane from Garden City, Kansas and went to Germany. And she was there it lacked one week been an entire 12 months. She returned on July the 8th of 1991. So she left in 90. And I, I pondered the things in my heart and knew that God was so good even though I didn't understand why she was there. God really made a way because after she had been there for two months, we found out she wasn't even supposed to be there. She couldn't even make application until she was 16 and she was over there when she was 15. She spent her her 16th birthday in Germany with her mama and Papa Gierken. She was in an all-German-speaking home. She was in an all-German-speaking high school. And she said, Mom, I have to learn this or I have to come home because they wouldn't speak English to her in the home. She had her English dictionary and her German dictionary. And before she could do anything even to do homework, she had to read the instructions in German and then figure out what it said in English before she could do her homework. Well, by December, this was July. By Christmas, she was totally fluent in German. By January, she was dreaming in German. Now, I don't understand those dreams in German because I, you know, I'm an American. I know one language. (laughs) She's still fluent today. She's been back about three times to visit. But she got in, in line. She cooperated with the prophecy that God had for her. God's plan. Why did she go? I believe that it trained her. It, it gave her determination. It gave her resolve to do what God had called her to do because she went to Oral Roberts University. It was during that time she was sitting in her bedroom looking out over the forest and Mama and Papa's house and God, sp- God spoke to her. She said in a very audible way and said, Gail, you're to go to Oral Roberts University and to be a nurse. She had never wanted to do that because nursing was gross. She hated science. But she went, she graduated summa cum laude, the head of the nursing department, in 1996. God had a plan for her, but she had to get in step with it. Amen? Amen. So God has given us prophecies. We have all heard from God. We're going to have to expect, and we're going to have to apply the word, and we're going to have to participate in that plan if it's going to come to pass in order for our potential to be developed, we're going to have to do what He says to do. You know, He has things planned for us that are beyond our wildest dreams. He has things planned for this body that are unimaginable. Every day we ought to grow. Every day we ought to learn something new. We need to be lifetime learners, always growing, always seeking His face always desiring more you know but we you and me as individuals we have to discover our God-given gifts and talents we have to discover what's on the inside of us no one can reach our potential for us nobody your mama can't reach your potential for you your spouse your teachers There's potential in each and every one of us. Only you can tap into that potential and bring it to pass. Amen? God has a plan. And it's just not any old plan. It's a good plan. So I encourage you to seek that plan this year to cooperate with God so that it can be wonderfully fulfilled in your life. Jeremiah 29, 13 Look there. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. That's an awesome promise. It says, it doesn't say you shall seek me. Oh, you might find me. Eh, if you want to search for me, eh, it may come to pass. No, it says, that's a promise. If we will seek him, we'll find him when we search for Him with all our heart. In other words, that life that Jesus died for us to have depends on me It depends on you. Depends on our personal relationship with Him. I can't make it happen as much as I would like to. Oh, my goodness. There are so many things on the inside of me that I'd like to cut you open and put in you. But I can't make it happen. But God can. When we all search for Him and seek Him and strain for Him, I, I have a, 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 a huge knowing that things are going to be great, that we're going to see miracles. So the kingdom of heaven is on earth. The things that Jesus did when He walked this earth, we are to be doing Not in Africa, not in Honduras. I mean, yes, there. But in Garden City, America. Laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. I got an email the other day from somebody. I don't know who it was. And the title, I normally don't open up a bunch of that stuff because I don't have time. But this struck me. Oh, I know it um, it was from church staffing or something. And it said... Are you weeping over your city? And then something else are, are growing legs. I thought, well, that's a strange title. So I read it and it talked about how the Christians no longer weep over their city. And and this, this man and his little boy were in a store and they, they saw a man that didn't have any legs. And and so when they got to the car, the the daddy said, oh, we just need to pray for him that he'll be able to function through life without his legs and and that he will be happy and not depressed, that he will have joy. And the little boy looked at him and he said, Daddy, why can't we pray that God gives him new legs? Why can't we pray that God gives him new legs? Why can't we pray that the windows of heaven open up above our households and pour out upon us blessings that we cannot contain? Why can't we pray that when we lay hands on the sick, they'll recover? Why, Why can't we pray that when we lay hands on the blind, they'll see? It needs to happen here. Heaven on earth. We have to believe. We've got to spend time with Him. We need Jesus just like we need water and air and food. So the key to seeing God do great things is for us to press on. When we spend time with Him, everyone knows. Why? Because we're calmer, uh, uh, oh, we're easier to get along with, our patience increases, wisdom is manifested through us, we're not so touchy, we don't have an attitude, you're pleasant, you have a pleasant countenance, you just become godlike In every area of our life, in our thoughts, everything, we become godlike. He becomes a friend. We tend to be like our friends that we hang out with. That's why it's important that you choose your friends wisely. You know, sometimes we pick up their accents. Sometimes we walk like them. I know my little brother used to walk like my grandpa. My grandpa was real big, and here's Gene. He to just walking. Mother would say, Gene, why are you walking like that? The way grandpa walks. Had his hand in his back. It's the way grandpa walks. Wanted to be like grandpa. Well, see, if we want to be like Jesus, we're going to have to spend time with him. And then his thoughts are going to become our thoughts. His words are going to become our words. His ways are to, going to become our ways. Amen? He's going to become our best friend. He knows the plans he has for us. You know Hebrews 10:36 talks about endurance. If you have need of patience, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. We're going to have to endure. You're going to have to come back tonight to find out what number four and number five are. Remember, God's timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways. We're going to have to be patient. But so far, we're going to have to apply the word to our life. We're going to have to be resolute. We're going to have to be determined that we're not going to get off of our purpose. And then we're going to have to expect great and mighty things from God and then there's two more that I'll share with you tonight and then we're gonna talk tonight also about your will versus the will of God amen father we thank you for this time that we've had with you I thank you Lord God that we as Christians we as your people we as your flock at Word of Life Church will expect great and mighty things from you this year. As we prepare ourselves individually, Lord God, we will apply the Word of God to our life. We will resolve with our own heart that we're going to be determined to fulfill our purpose and that we're going to expect great and mighty things from you as we become doers of your Word. Father, we bring all of those prophecies that have been spoken over us as individuals and over this body corporately. We bring those to your remembrance, Lord God. That there would never be lack. That we would not only sin, but we would go. That there would be great increase. Why? Because this is a missions church and we have souls in our heart. That the church would be added to daily those that should be saved and that we would grow in purpose, that we would fulfill fulfill our plan that you have for us. So, Father, I thank you that every one of us are going to press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to forget the past, and we're going to become like you. We're going to think your thoughts. Therefore, we're going to speak your word. We're going to see big. We're not going to limit ourselves. We're not going to pray that that man without legs would be comfortable and that he would come to know and to understand how to get along in life. We're going to pray that he grow legs. Offer your praise and offer your glory. Increase our thinking, Lord God. Increase our vision. Increase in our lives, Lord. And I pray that that would be our prayer as individuals and as a church. We give you praise and we give you glory for that. Now if that is your prayer, I want you to stand. If you make that your prayer, that you're going to apply the Word of God to your life. That you're going to resolve. You're going to be determined. Nothing is going to stop you. That the past is behind you, and we're going forward. We're going to press toward the mark, and we're going to do it as individuals. Then He has great and mighty plans for us that He can accomplish through us. Why? Because we're resolute, we are firm and fixed in purpose. I want you to know how much I appreciate every one of you. This is only the beginning. We have 12 months for God to move through us and work in us. And Every time your body is saying, oh, it's cold outside, I don't want to go to church. Oh, it's just faith promise, I've heard that before. You tell your body to shut up in Jesus' name. We're getting up, we're going to go give double. Amen. You have to become disciplined. We all have to become disciplined. That's why I don't do a lot of things on Saturday night. Do I want to? Sure. We have to discipline yourself. We have to discipline ourselves concerning the Word of God. Father, I thank you for each and every one of these. The past is behind, the future, hallelujah, is ahead of us and that there's great and mighty things that you're going to do through us. In Jesus' name, we pray. If there's anyone here that wants to rededicate your life, or those that aren't saved, that you have, may have sat in this church for years, and you say, I really have never had a personal relationship with the Lord, now's the day to do that. Is there anyone at all that would like to do that today, that wants to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or wants to rededicate your life afresh, and anew to him, I would ask that you would come forward quickly. Is there anyone at all? We have people that would pray for you. Praise God. And come back tonight, and you're going to see the next two things that we're going to have to do in order to fulfill our plan and fulfill our purpose. God bless you.